Old Testament reading tonight, Psalm 86. We'll read this psalm. We'll really be focusing on a very famous verse from this psalm, verse 11, as we think about the third commandment. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. It's the name of God front and center in consideration of the third commandment. But we'll read this whole psalm. Psalm 86, this is God's holy word. Please give your attention to its reading. Psalm 86, a prayer of David. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. The arrogant are attacking me, O God. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, men without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant, and save the son of your maidservant. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. Our catechism lesson tonight, question, questions 53 through 56. In the back of the red hymnal, let's read the answers together. This is page 873, the back of the red Trinity hymnal. Considering the third commandment, read the answers together. So, people of God, which is the third commandment? The third commandment is... Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. What is required in the third commandment? 
The third commandment requireth the holy and reverent use of God's names, titles, attributes, ordinances, word, and works. What is forbidden in the third commandment? The third commandment forbiddeth all profaning or abusing of anything whereby God maketh himself known. What is the reason annexed to the third commandment? The reason annexed to the third commandment is that however the breakers of this commandment may escape punishment from men, yet the Lord our God will not suffer them to escape his righteous judgment. You see both in the text of the third commandment itself and in the catechism's explanation of the third commandment that there is a recognition of judgment or the day of judgment. And you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Of course, bringing our attention forward to judgment and, and the day of, of judgment. Catechism says the very same thing, and uh, the reason, or one of the reasons, of course, for that is because those uh, whom God will excuse on the last day are those who have had reverence for His name, those who have seen something of who He is and have understood His glory, His holiness, His majesty, and because of that, as we talked about this morning, have fled to refuge for Christ. The third commandment, really, it, if I may use a, a big word, it has that, that eschatological, that end times uh, nuance to it that's always bringing us forward. Because there will come a day when all will honor and reverence the name of God. All will honor and reverence the name of Jesus Christ. All will bend the knee to Him. And as we read in our psalm, that's all the nations that he has made will come before him and will worship you. All the nations you have made, verse 9, will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Now that will find an ultimate and a final fulfillment at the last day. The kings of the earth will set their crowns before this God. There will be no one who will say God does not deserve the glory. But something for us to think about as the people of God is that we must be among those who now, today, in our hearts, in our lives, we give God the reverence, the recognition, the adoration that He will receive on the last day. We must be found as those who do it now, while there still is time to find Him, to find refuge in Him. And that is part of the, the call of the gospel, to call people to it. And so it's, it's good to think about all of those things. And indeed, even as we consider something like Psalm 86, we see that what ultimately uh, fans into flame the, the love of our hearts to reverence the name of God 
is really God's redemptive action towards us. Great is your love towards me, the psalmist says. And that, indeed, we will consider that towards the end. But it is God's action, His saving action, towards us that allows us to then give our hearts to Him in desire to glorify Him. Let's first consider uh, the meaning of the third commandment because uh, we, this is one of those commandments that is widely kind of, it, it's not a misunderstanding, but it's sort of honed in that it's, it's sort of speaking the name of God in the way that people sort of speak it conversationally when they say, oh my God. And they do it in a way that is very irreverent. And some people say that that's, that's kind of their understanding, their working understanding is that that is breaking the third commandment. And it is, but it's so much wider than that. So what does it mean to, to take the name, not just of God, but to take the name of anything? Well, uh, the verb here used in, in Exodus to take God's name in vain, to take his name, is a word that just means to bear, to wear, to, to have on you, or to bear upon you. Aaron's priestly garments in, in Exodus were to have two stones in, in the shoulder pieces that represented the people of Israel. For that is what he was to do as a priest. He was to represent the people of Israel to God on their behalf. It says in Exodus 28, you are to put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod, stones of memorial for the sons of Israel, and Aaron will bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for a memorial. Same word there. So Aaron is bearing the names of the sons of Israel before God. So he's representing them, or he has their names upon him, and he comes before God. So it can mean to speak, right? you take the name of God, you bear the name, you bear his name on your lips, for instance, but it means so much more than that. This is a, an Olympic summer, five years from the last Olympics, but we all know what happened last summer. So Olympians bear the name of the nation when they don that uniform. Right? They, are, they are bearing something that is larger than themselves. The uniform they wear but also in their competition and also in their activities uh, beyond what they do. In the last couple of Olympics, there's been a couple controversies, a couple of Olympians getting into uh, mischief after their events are done, being arrested for whatever. And what was everybody saying? They're saying, oh, this is a disgrace to their country because they're representing their country, because they're bearing the name of their country. And so it's certainly true that it is, a, it is a grievous sin to speak God's name in a vulgar way, to use it as some kind of a, of a curse word. But we need to think more deeply and more carefully about all the ways in which we bear the name of God in our lives. We are Christians, which means to bear the name of Christ. We bear the name of God in uh, our baptism. We bear the name of God as we make it known that we come to church and we worship and we tell others that we, we know Christ. We bear God's name in so many ways. As God gives us the instructions of the third commandments, it's interesting at least to note that he, he switches to the third person in order to give this, this commandment, doesn't it? Doesn't he? He says, you shall have no other gods before me, 
But then he says, you shall not take the name of the Lord, of Yahweh, in vain. He switches to the third person there in order to emphasize how glorious and weighty the name of God is. He wants us to focus, he wants to focus our attention on the name, as in our English Bible, the Lord or Yahweh, the covenant name of God. In the ancient world, and it's, I suppose it holds now to some extent with our political leaders, though not as much. In the ancient world, names of rulers, names of kings were to be spoken only with reverence and care. There was a, an attended power almost in their names. A very famous story of, of Alexander the Great. Probably the stuff of, of, of legend, but I've, I've heard it used before. Uh, he was, one night during one of his campaigns, he was walking around the campgrounds, uh, the, the, the camp of his army. As he came across a soldier, he found him asleep on guard duty, which of course was a serious offense. Uh, in some cases, the penalty for this would be death. And so the soldier began to, to wake up as Alexander the Great, the, the, the greatest leader in the world, approached him. And Alexander says, what is your name, soldier? And the soldier says, Alexander. And Alexander the Great says, ask him one more time, what is your name? He says, my name is Alexander, sir. He asks him a third time, what is your name? My name is Alexander, sir. Of course, the tension that's building around this story is that here, this soldier, uh, this kind of low-ranked soldier, is doing something so offensive, and then he is claiming that his name is the same as this glorious and powerful leader, the, the leader of all of the world at that time. And Alexander the Great says, soldier, change your name or change your conduct. Don't live. Don't act this way if you're going to have my name. You're bringing disgrace upon my name. So when God says, do not take the name of the Lord in vain, what does it mean to take it in vain? Well, that word for in vain means worthless. It means nothing. It means do not take his name towards worthlessness or towards Nothingness. In other words, to take God's name in vain means to bear it in a way that makes it seem less glorious than it is. That's why speaking that way, to, to take God's name as a swear word, is a breaking of the third commandment because you make it seem less glorious than it actually is. You're, you're taking it down to this level that degrades who God is. But of course, we can do the same thing with our lives when... Our lives make God seem less glorious than He is. We can do it in our minds when the thoughts of our minds, when the affections of our hearts are not aligned with how glorious and how powerful God really is. Now, God is the searcher of hearts. We might say, well, yeah, but people can't read our minds. They can't see the affections of our hearts. So it's not as if our witness in the world is being harmed. Well, there may be ways in which it will be harmed because a person who doesn't have the affections of the heart is not going to have the attendant life that glorifies God. But God is the one who searches hearts and God is the one who will be pleased or displeased with that which we hold in our minds and in our hearts. And so we need to seek to reverence God in all of these ways as well. Our own catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism, Answer 99, speaks about these things in regards to the third commandment. 
It says that it requires, the third commandment requires that we use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe so that we may properly confess Him, pray to Him, and praise Him in everything we do and say. It begins with a reverence for God. It begins with a deep and heartfelt respect and adoration of Him. And that will then pour forth into being able to not only properly confess Him, not only properly pray to Him, but to praise Him in what? In everything we do and say. A confluence between what you confess and how you live. So, to break the third commandment means to bear God's name in any way that makes His name seem less glorious than it is. Yes, it can be taking his name on your lips in a flippant way, using it as some kind of a curse word. But it can also be the way in which we live our lives. It can be the way in which we perhaps call upon God to make an oath, and that oath is not serious, or we break our oath. Of course, as we mentioned, there's a a throwing forward of our attention in the third commandment. God will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. Brings our attention to the the last judgment. Why does he do that? Well, it certainly is a warning. If we do not reverence God's name, then he will not be pleased to bear our name. If we do not reverence the name of Jesus Christ, Christ will not confess our name to the Father. Psalm 16.4 The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, nor take their names on my lips. Those who run after other gods, those who commit uh, idolatry, those who do not look upon me with the proper care and reverence, I will not take their names on my lips. So how do we bear this glorious name in a way that is in accord with this commandment? Well, Psalm 86, verse 11, as we said, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. There we have really the three main things that we think about in terms of the the human heart spiritually. The mind, the affections, and the will are the outward actions. Teach me your way, O Lord, the mind. Teach me who you are. Teach me your ways. Teach me the light of your paths. Teach me. So that I may walk in your truth. Without this knowledge, I will not walk in the truth. I need your help. Then give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Let me be wholly devoted to you in worship so that I might look upon you in love and fear and reverence. Let my affections be pointed towards you. Let all that I am be united towards your glory. Let all that I am be concerned with bringing the proper adoration and reverence to you in all facets of my life. So we begin there in the heart. We want to bear the glorious name of God, the glorious names of God. The Catechism says all of the names of God are to be treated with care. And so all throughout Scripture, God reveals Himself by many names. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. 
He's the one who will see to it. He is the one who will see to a way of our redemption. He is El Shaddai. He is the mighty God. He's wonderful. And we could go on and on and on. But we must reverence the name of God with our hearts. Proverbs 23 says, My son, give me your heart. God wants the heart. He wants us to treasure him from the depths of who we are. The heart is not only the the affections, but also the mind. All throughout Scripture, we, we know things in the heart. It's the inner man. And so we are to seek to know God in truth according to His Word. We are to seek to know the doctrines that are revealed in Scripture and to cling to them. We sin against God when we believe scandalous doctrines that are not revealed in Scripture. When we deny election, when we deny that God has sovereignly appointed His people to salvation from eternity past, we dishonor God because He is the sovereign giver of grace. So we hold to it because it honors God. It it helps us fulfill this third commandment. When we deny Christ's substitutionary redemption, we dishonor the work of our Savior. When people deny the last judgment, they dishonor God in the place of authority that He has as the rightful judge of all the earth. We hold all of these things, all the things that God has revealed in Scripture, we hold to them because we sin against God when we do not believe the things He has revealed in His Word. And because we are to seek to reverence God's name from the heart, the mind, and the affections. We must honor God with our tongues. Our tongues, James chapter 3. The tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. If we are among those who honor God with our hearts and our minds then it will flow forth into our mouths and our tongues. Psalm 119. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. If God teaches us, if God is teaching us His truth from His Word, then our lips will pour forth praise. The next verse. My tongue will sing of your Word, for all your commandments are right. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That is why we begin a life lived unto God from the heart. Because a heart that treasures God, that treasures Christ, will be then a mouth that is filled with his praise. We talked about it uh, before already. It is a sin against this commandment to speak of God in a flippant, dishonoring way. Not only as some kind of a curse word, but also to just name him in some kind of a flippant way. We must remember, however, that God wants us to speak his name, his names. He wants us to confess him. He wants us to speak of him. He wants us to do that, but to do it rightly. So we cannot commit the error that the Israelites would commit. They said, well, uh, we're just not going to say the name of God then. So they would say... Adonai rather than Yahweh. They would never say the the covenant name of God as they were reading and reciting the scriptures. But God wants us to, to speak his name, to have it be on our lips. 
to say the name of, of Jesus Christ and to say the various names of God in Scripture. Hosea chapter 2, In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. God says, you have run after other gods, and the names of these gods have filled your mouths. I'm going to remove those names from your tongues, from your mouths. You will not speak them anymore, because it made God angry that his people were speaking the names of these false gods. We must speak the name of God. We must confess him. We must confess the name of Jesus Christ, but we must do so rightly. Avoiding this, the the Israelite mindset, is like trying to avoid worship altogether. You can't do it. You will worship something, thus you must endeavor to worship God alone in Jesus Christ. With our hearts, with our mouths, as we mentioned before, we dishonor, break this commandment when we are untruthful, especially when attached to the taking of oaths to which we call God, to witness. God says in Psalm 101, no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Ephesians 4 says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. God himself is truth. And thus, as his people, we must be truthful because if we are known as a dishonest people, then there will be that mismatch between what we profess and how we live. We bear the glorious name of God with our lives. We are in danger of blaspheming God when we bear his name and live like we are not his people. Romans chapter 2 says, you, is speaking, this is assessing the problems of uh, the Jews of Paul's time, you who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, that great error. That as the Israelites had wandered from God, and their lives were not marked by a desire for his laws and his statutes, Yahweh's name was blasphemed among the nations because his people were not living for him and for his glory. Thus, we need to be aware of the same danger. So what we read in Titus chapter 2, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. The flip side of that, of course, Titus 2, is that if he would not live that way, then there would be something evil that they could say about him. God's name could be blasphemed amongst the Gentiles because his life was not in accord with what uh, he had confessed. So we ought to, we must bear the glorious name of God in our lives. So how do we do that? We do that. We fulfill the third commandment first. We need to understand that we fulfill this commandment by honoring the name of Jesus Christ. The third commandment, just like the second commandment, remember, uh, God was saving worship for Jesus Christ by saying you cannot make 
an image, a graven image. He is not a God of idols. Why? Because he was going to reveal himself, God, manifest in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. And we bring this third commandment to fulfillment by first honoring the name of Jesus Christ. And how do we, how or why should we honor the name of Jesus Christ? Well, as we read in Psalm 86, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. There, David says, I will honor the name of God. I will worship Him. I will revere Him. I will hold His name with the highest regard, with a unified heart, because I know that His love is great towards me and because He has saved me. How has God delivered us from the depths of the grave. He has done so in and through Jesus Christ. So the gospel, as the power of God unto salvation, as we hear the gospel, that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven, that those who humble themselves in repentance before God, those who give themselves to this God in Jesus Christ, that as the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed and hearts are set aflame to look towards Him, in love and in faith and in dependence and trust. And God is working in and through that by the Holy Spirit to bring about a transformed heart that seeks to love, honor, and serve God in the heart, in the mind, in the mouth, and in the life. We need to focus on redemption in Jesus Christ if we are to live in such a way that brings this third commandment to fulfillment in our lives. Jesus is the way to the Father. And the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father through me. Jesus reveals the Father. John 14 he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He says it to Philip. Jesus glorified the Father. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. God the Father has given Jesus a name that is above every name. Philippians chapter 2. He humbled himself. God has highly exalted him. The heavenly scenes of worship in the book of Revelation are centered around Jesus Christ. Revelation 5. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and ever. All of these things that we attribute to God and especially in the Old Testament to Yahweh. Honor and glory and blessing and might are placed upon Jesus Christ. The psalmist says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear 
your name. That undivided heart is a heart that is united to Jesus Christ in the gospel. It is a heart that focuses, as we talked this morning, the dual, face-to-face, the exceeding sinfulness of sin and the incomparable beauty and excellency and glory of Jesus Christ. For when we see that, we say, Great is your love towards me, O God. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. A heart that is convinced that he or she has received salvation, redemption, which is not deserved, and which is glorious in the way that God has brought brought it about, is a heart that will be more and more wholly given to God, to his glory, to his name, the name of Jesus Christ, all the names of God, the Word of God, the works of God, the attributes of God. Why? Because we understand more and more deeply how grateful we must be that He has saved us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for the gift of Christ and we ask that you will make us to see more and more how glorious it is. Great is your love towards us. You have delivered us from the depths of the grave. You have done so in your Son who has received a name above all names. May we honor and glorify him now in our hearts for we know one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. May we be among those who bend the knee to him today as our Savior, our prophet and priest and king. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.